This is the Shed Wireless. One person who is particularly pleased to have seen the DGR status for men's sheds come to fruition is Ted O'Brien. Ted is many things, including the federal member for Fairfax, a former sparring partner of Clive Palmer, metaphorically, not literally, chairman of the Australian Republican movement, chairman of the advisory board for Ronald McDonald House Charities South East Queensland, advisory board member for Queensland Catholic Education, and more recently, founder and chairman of a local not-for-profit Generation Innovation Program, which helps young people start their own business. But he joins us here in his new role as chair of the Parliamentary Friends of Men's Shed Group and a key driver of our achievement of DGR status. Ted O'Brien, welcome to the Shed Wireless. Thank you very much. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you for taking on the chairman's role. How did that come about? Oh, I'm delighted, actually. Well, it's funny how these things work out. So I think because I took on the campaign to get uh, the DGR status for men's sheds, just over time got to know a lot of the sheds and sort of fell in love with the whole movement, really. And then um, I got a, a tap on the shoulder to see if I'd be keen to be chair of the Parliamentary Friends of Men's Shed. And, and it was a, a very easy decision to say, absolutely, happy to support in any way I can, actually. I actually noticed, because I went looking today, that there are parliamentary friends of all sorts of things from the ABC to the LGBTQI community and everything in between. Are there still issues that parties can come together on and actually work together to do good? Yeah, look, there are. You wouldn't think so if you just tune into the nightly news. It seems like a, an endless political spat at times when you are looking at politics from the outside. But I have to say there is far more cooperation between politics political parties than most people would ever imagine. And uh, Men's Shed is one of those causes, one of those items where you do have people coming together. But you're right, there's parliamentary friends groups for God knows how many things. People have thought about starting a parliamentary friends group for no more parliamentary friends groups. Um, but, but there are some, you know, I, I don't want to criticise any parliamentary friends groups, but candidly, some are more important than others. And um, Men's Shed is absolutely up there as one of the important ones. What different does it make having both sides with their shoulder to the wheel? To state the obvious, it just takes the politics out of things. You don't have to wrestle before you run. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> and you know that um, it's an easier arm wrestle with government, um, and I say this as a member of the government, but it's an easier arm wrestle when you're wanting outcomes, when you've got the entire parliament behind you and, um, and demonstrating bipartisanship on on key issues, I think also sends a very positive message to the Australian public that when it comes to really important things, we actually come together as a parliament. And look, we saw that in COVID, right? And there, there will be issues where there'll be disagreement. And as time goes on, and we start talking about how to have a, an economic recovery. Those differences will be aired more. But as soon as COVID hit, we came together. The Prime Minister provided the leadership and everybody just locked in. So look, when it comes to things like men's sheds, I have never had any pushback from any member of the Labor Party as I went for DGR status as a Liberal MP. So that's good. That's a healthy thing. And and taking on the role of Chair of the Parliamentary Friends of Men's Shed means I'm not the Chair, but a co-chair with Chris Hayes of the Labor Party. So that's good. Why do you see value in Men's Shed? Australia has a problem with a gradual erosion of what's referred to as like civil society. Spirituality is, is one 
waning, not enriching. While there's a lot of volunteers in Australia, demand exceeds supply. We've had enormous number of family breakdowns. That's only getting worse over the years. The introduction of social media and so forth is seeing a lot of community groups disappear. Uh, the average age of community group leaders is only increasing. So this is causing all these strains, right? In walks men's sheds. While a lot of other community movements are struggling to survive, men's shed is swimming right against the tide. It is growing at a time when other groups are struggling to survive. And for me, that really got me interested. Um, and the great thing about men's shed is it deals with um, serious issues. So it deals with the social inclusion and all that stuff. It, it openly talks about the importance of mental health and just the health of men, but it, it doesn't carry on about it. You don't drive past a men's shed and there's not like a shingle out the front that says, have you got a mental health problem? Come on in. It's sort of, it's just a bunch of blokes who, who just knock about together. I mean, so I'm, I'm one of nine kids, right? I'm the youngest of, of a big tribe. There's seven boys in my family. Um, and I went to boarding school and all that stuff and love my rugby. And... Speaking of having to wrestle before you run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, right? It's sort of when you do it when you've got a whole tribe of older brothers. But f- for me, I just relate it to men's sheds. You walk into any men's shed and it is walking into, uh, for me, my, my old kitchen at home with a whole bunch of brothers who will take the mickey out of you. But at the end of the day, push comes to shove, they're there. Just a big bunch of mates who will joke around, have a bit of fun, might bang a few nails into wood, but in actual fact, they've got your back. And when times are tough, they're there. And so I think the the quintessential characteristics of great Australian mateship lives and breathes in men's sheds. And that is why they're swimming against the tide as other community groups wither. They are only gaining strength and there's more and more of them. And for me, that's what I love about them. I think they are shining light amidst an eroding civil society and it's a new way of doing business. It's a new way of community being reborn and rebuilding. I know you're only a pup yourself and you were (laughs) sort of trained in a trade in that you became a trainee baker in your early days. But if you had to lob in a shed, what would your special skill be, do you think? I reckon I would be told to go and make a cup of tea. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, if I I, I think of the average shed you walk around, um, I would just be a trainee in everything, to be honest. I reckon they'll they'll tell me to go make a cup of tea and I may not stuff that up. (laughs) What about if you're going to bring some baked goods? Could you bring some baked goods? Oh, I think I'd be very popular um, if I brought some baked goods. Mind you, as much as I did train as a baker, I, I don't think I'd be too flash. I'll go to the local bakery. That'll do me. <laughs> yeah, see, that's that's ingenuity at work right there. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. So why did you feel it was important to go in hard after the DGR? I don't think you can affect change in our tax system without political will. And I learned that the hard way. So there are a few sheds in, uh, in my patch in my electorate who tried to get DGR, but they just kept getting knocked back. And um, since ACNC came in, since there was reform of the charity not-for-profit sector, it just became harder for men's sheds. And, you, you know, you look at the paperwork and you'd say, well, there's no reason why men's sheds shouldn't get DGR. But it, it was like hitting your head against that brick wall, right? Mm. Men's sheds just kept getting a no. And no matter how many conversations I had with people, 
it just came down to, all right, this one we actually have to fight for. This is not going to be done by persuasion. We need political will to change the tax system. And, I mean, you know, getting DGR status for men's shed is not a tax reform like an introduction of the GST, right? You know, it's the magnitude is nothing like that. (laughs) But I tell you what, you're still up against it. Um, And that's where we just said, well, all right, this is not going to be done through, you know, smiles and persuasion. This is just downright political will. Uh, We need the government to say, yes, this has to be done. And thankfully, we got there. And so it's an interesting thing, right? Because my background's not politics. Hmm. We can't have the political system force changes in business models that work. So, you know, with men's sheds, it'd be far easier previously for men's sheds to get DGR if they did shake pom-poms about, we help people with mental health. Mm-hmm. And if every every website of the men's shed, you know, screamed out about the health issues the men's sheds deal with. But that would be a fundamental change to the business model. You know, a lot of men don't rock up just because they might want to talk about mental health. You don't want a model that works to be changed because of the tax system. The tax system should change to to support worthwhile business models. And, and that was only ever going to come through political will. And that's why I took it on and said, well, right, this is a fight worth having. How much difference do you think DGR status will make at the shed door, if I can put it that way? I'm hoping it will make a big difference, particularly to younger sheds that need to raise capital to build sheds. It's fascinating you say that because in the course of having conversations for the shed wireless, you speak to some sheds that have financial support via a range of mechanisms. And then you talk to some that are battling the fundraising on a daily basis. And it actually affects the very core and culture of how the shed operates where on that spectrum you sit. Yeah. And and I've seen that myself across different sheds. Where DGR comes in, I think it will be most helpful when sheds decide to raise money as part of a campaign. So where they basically say, we are going to have a a start date, an end date, and a fundraising target. And it is to build a shed, to get the car park um, laid. Uh, It is to, you know, buy XYZ. And that's where DGR comes in because the sales pitch can be far more compelling when you can be saying to people that uh, any donation over $2, well, you can can claim it as a tax deduction. Then it's easier for people to open up their wallets. But more than that, um, and I'm probably telling you things you and other people in the, the shed movement know, but there are all of these philanthropic organisations that their first screening of potential recipients is do they have DGR status or not? So, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you don't have DGR status, there are some philanthropic organisations mm. that won't even look mm. at you because there's just there's too many people out there asking for money. And so a lot of those organisations that have the money say, well, if they don't have DGR status, then they're not recognised by government as being truly delivering the services that are most needed. So we just had to clear that barrier, get rid of that barrier so that men's sheds can do what they do well and they have equal access to raising capital as anyone else out there. I know when I talk to a lot of pollies, they sometimes get frustrated by how hard they work on things and it's not always a popular opinion, but you can disagree with how politicians go about their business and even their personalities, but very few of the people who I know in politics are having a bludge. Most of them are working their backsides off, but a lot of them are frustrated that you can't always hold the outcome in your hand and show everyone what you've got for your efforts. This really is one thing, this DGR, where you could quite literally drive around Australia and see where the difference was made. Yeah, 
and it's one of those things um, from just a local perspective. I and mean, I've only been an MP, this is my second term, for about four years now. Mm. But it, it's wonderful to, to go through from start to finish where just the experience of a bunch of blokes sitting around a shed complaining about I can't get DGR, just to see how all of that can mm. evolve and all the discussions you have in Canberra. And this is a grassroots change to our tax system. That doesn't happen very often. And it was due to men in men's sheds that it happened because basically most men's sheds, they're they're smart as. The leadership teams of men's sheds are as bright as any ASX-listed leadership team. They really are. And that that helps, right? So it really helps me as somebody who wants to support the cause. You know, you're not sort of helping them with the really simple stuff. The, The men's shed themselves are coming up with all the arguments, all the evidence, and they're absolutely top notch. So that makes it a lot easier for me to do my bit. Yeah, you get an ex-copper, an ex-psychologist and an ex-chippy together with 150 years experience between them <laughs> and then they put their mind to something they can be quite the handful, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a good way to put it. Dead right, dead right. Uh, just a quick way because you were talking about your local patch there on the Sunshine Coast. You have a campaign up there to make it the healthiest place on earth. A, how is that going? And B, does something like your men's sheds play a role in that? Yeah, it does play a role. I think it's going well. So this is this is something that I actually spoke about in my maiden speech in the parliament. I read it in full this morning. Oh, did you? Did yeah. you? And you're still awake. Or did you have a sleep between now and then? No, no, I can tell you there are many parliamentary speeches that will put you to sleep. The maiden ones are generally pretty spicy <laughs> and entertaining. <laughs> yeah. so. I'll, I'll send you a link to some of my more boring ones. And see how <laughs> yeah, please go. do. <laughs> I do believe that my part of the world, which is, as you know, the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, does have the opportunity to be the healthiest place on earth. But to take a step back, I think Australia has the opportunity to be recognised as the healthiest place on earth. And not just healthy in terms of the health that the doctors and nurses keep intact. That's part of the But a place that's got a healthy climate, a place that has a healthy set of relationships between community members, a place that is healthy as an economy. You know, Australia already differentiates like this. I mean, Australian food and agriculture is already recognises the healthiest you can get around the world. I think there's far more we can do with that positioning, if you like. And men's sheds do fit into that because I know, you know, Ireland and other places have similar movements, but really men's sheds in Australia are a second to none. And it goes to the healthiness of a community. If a community is really healthy, it will have vibrant men's sheds because it is a proxy for a really rich, vibrant civil society. And that is what makes a community healthy. That is what will make Australia more resilient as we move forward. And we know that through COVID, any external shocks test your resilience. It's going to be our healthiness across every measure of health that'll make the difference. Australia, I believe, can be the healthiest nation on earth. And maybe I'm a little biased, but I think uh, within Australia, Queensland definitely has that. And within Queensland, I, I believe my little part of the world of the Sunshine Coast um, um, has abundance. Yes, well, people have never been hungrier to get across that border, I can assure you, Ted. That day will come. That day will come. Thank you so much for everything that you have done so far with the DGR status achievement, but also for taking on this co-chair role. Absolute pleasure, mate. Thanks for your time.